Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. All right, well, hey, to begin this sermon, I've got some songs that I need to play, and I need you to tell me the title and the name, or the name of the song and who, who performs it. But to do that, since this is kind of like the ladies' day, I decided to stay on a little more of the track of uh, uh, lady performers. So, ladies, I'm going to need you to call this out for me, all right? We're going to hear a little bit. All right, here's tune number one. And the title of the song. Yeah. Don't yell respect at me. I know it's your day. It's your day. We respect. We respect you. All right. Song number two. Crank it up. Who is it? The name of the song? I could call somebody out right now. I'm going to leave his name unmentioned, but first service, we had a Celine Dion up in the front area up over here, which provided great laughter. Uh, <laughs> don't know how he missed that one. All right. Um, I will save. No names, though. All right. And the third song, Bring It Home. Crank it up. Author, writer, performer. I've got all my love to give. Gloria, baby. Yes, yes. And I will survive. Yes, yes. You guys know songs. As soon as you hear them, you, you know what it is. Probably only takes a couple seconds. You know the song title. You know who, who, who performed it. You know songs. But when you know the story behind the song, it, all, it usually always takes it to a deeper meaning, right? And it's like, wow. You, you might have already liked the song, but now you hear this story about the song, and it has a profound impact on now your view of that song. For instance, you might recognize these lyrics right here. It says, would you know my name if I saw you in heaven? Would it be the same if I saw you in heaven? Now, many of you would know that this is a song written and performed by Eric Clapton. Classic. It's great. Tears of Heaven. But when you find out that this is written after tragically losing his four-year-old son, then you read these lyrics, and man, something different happens to you as, you as you read through these lyrics. Let's try a church song, a good old hymn. Here we go. It says, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul, a church hymn. Horatio Spafford wrote this song after losing four of his daughters in a, in a tragic shipwreck. Two years before that, he had lost a son. But in 1873, when he lost these four daughters, he turns around and pins these words, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Man, you get to know the backstory, and it expounds this meaning and the depth of it. Dare we do a country song? Let's just try it. Let's just try it. 
my truck broke down, my dog just died. My friend went, you guys are already laughing. That could have really happened to somebody. You guys are insensitive. No, I'm kidding. Who cares about that? I'm just joking. We don't even look at that song. So uh, <laughs> uh, nobody wants to deal with that. Okay. Uh, but when you understand the story behind the song, it can have a more substantial meaning. Right in the middle of your Bibles, okay, there's this book called Psalms. And the psalm, the word psalm, translate into song. That's what psalm means. It means song. And there's 150 in this collection. And these songs were sung at festivals, feasts, weddings, funerals, different events. If the Jewish people were gathering together, this songbook was included. Now, these songs, what's really cool about it is this is the ancient Israel's, this is their, their songbook. I mean, this is old stuff. And it reminds us that when we read these words, we're joining in the eternal worshiping family, the whole worshiping community of God. That this song and this story started way before we entered the narrative. And it's going on right now, like we actually get to sing these songs that people wrote and sung way back then. And these songs are going to continue into the future. And there's an author of several of these songs, and his name is David. He was actually a king. King David wrote 72 of the 150 songs in this book. King David was a musical genius. Not only could he write songs, but his poetic skills and, and the words and how he could tell stories and recall upon God and what he's done was brilliant. He used 22 different styles of Hebrew poetry to write his songs. He was an, just a massive, great architect with words. I'm going to say the lyrics of one of his songs, and I guarantee whether you've been in church much or not, I bet you know this song by heart. And as I say it, I'm going to have you fill in the blanks for me, okay? Here we go. The Lord is my and I shall not. See? Now, what song is that? What number? 23. That's right. Track 23. Put the CD in. Go up to track 23. And there it is. Psalm 23. Now, here's the deal. We know that psalm. But the question for today is, do we know the background? Do we know the background? In Israel's history, they had a king, David. And when David was king, of course, as king, he had a bunch of kids, a bunch of kids. And at one point in his personal life, his personal history, one of his sons named Amnon raped one of his daughters, Tamar. He had another son, Absalom, who to defend his sister's dignity, murdered Amnon. Then Absalom, after, short, after doing that, tried to lead a rebellion and overtake his dad's kingdom and overtake his dad's throne. Now, I've experienced sibling rivalry. I've got an older brother three years older than me. And growing up, I would just beat him at everything. And... I've experienced sibling rivalry, right? Right? I know what it's like to be the young one. Some of you know what it's like to be the old one. I'm a parent now, and we have four sons. I've experienced 
parenting challenges. I'm not, I'm, I'm sure that all of my experiences don't quite get to the degree of which David had experienced. A daughter raped, a son murdered, and another son a traitor, all within about four years. And somewhere through that, David finds time to get alone, takes his pen, takes his scroll, and he pens the words of track 23. Now, there's about 117 words in this song. And the first three set the tone and set the table and get it started off with huge importance. The first three words are, the Lord is. Now, when we say Lord, that, that, that phrase is Yahweh. I don't have time to explain the incredible meaning when you say the name Yahweh and what it all entails and what it all envisions for the readers who would read this, just can't, we don't have time, but it's huge to say Yahweh, the Lord is. Friends, a lot of times we think the Lord and we think distance. We think he did stuff, he, like he created everything, he created us in our mother's wombs, he did stuff, he died on a cross, he will come back for us. We think in distance terms all too often. He's saying Yahweh is. That's present tense, and that matters. It's not was, it's not will be. He was, and he will be, but he is. Yahweh always is, and this is important. And then the fourth word, David writes, he says, the Lord is my, revealing a, a relationship, that there's some kind of covenant here, some kind of relationship between him and the Lord. And he says, the Lord is my. Notice, it's not a generic pronoun. It's my. Martin Luther said this once, the vast majority of the Christian life is about personal pronouns. I agree with that wise statement wholeheartedly. See, Yahweh can seem massive and almighty and big, but he is my. He is my. He is yours. There's this phrase of my. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. This morning, you have a shepherd, okay? David is just simply saying in this song, Yahweh, huge, Yahweh is my shepherd. He's not saying, I think I will have a shepherd. We all have a shepherd. It's not a question if you want a shepherd. You have a shepherd. He's just clarifying, Yahweh is my shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd. Now, as we unfold this morning, you might get a better grasp on who is your shepherd, but you might know right now, your heart's telling you, your job might be your, your shepherd, your, your boss, your hobby, I know it's golf time, y'all, like your hobby might be your shepherd, your finances might be your shepherd, your relationship status, the status of how your children are doing compared to other children. Something is shepherding you. And when that's shepherding you, that means you, whether you can articulate it or not, you are going after that hardcore. And that is following it. You're, it's it, it's him, it's her, it's that thing, and you are going after it. It is your shepherd. It's got your number, and you are sold out for it. Now, this is true for every single one of us in this room this morning. David's just saying, 
Yahweh, he's my shepherd. Now, Time Magazine always tries to help us out with this. Every few little bit at a time, they always give us the 100 most influential people for you to maybe choose your next shepherd, right? And uh, I really appreciate that, but I just don't think Beyonce is going to be a really good uh, shepherd for me. Um, you know, uh, Roger Federer, thank you. You know, I, I like how you play tennis. I just don't think he's going to be a great, great shepherd. Jimmy Fallon would be a hilarious shepherd to, to follow, but probably not going to be the best thing. But we are so covered with ideas of who is going to influence you and who is going to shepherd you. It's all around us all the time, and, and, if, and, and that is the struggle for us. Uh, Abraham Heskel, just an amazing art, uh, author, he wrote, What determines one's being is the image one adopts. What determines one's being is the image one adopts. David is saying, Yahweh is my shepherd. And his image is the one I'm wanting to adopt. And there's something important to notice when we hear the word, the Lord is my shepherd. Up to this point, there's not been such an intimate uh, title given to Yahweh. If you read Psalm 1 through 22, you're going to hear words like king, deliverer, you're going to hear some impersonal things like rock, fortress, refuge. You're going to hear these titles. But then we turn to Psalm 23, and all of a sudden, there's a new phrase, a new title given to this Yahweh, and it's shepherd. And this is a game changer because everyone, the readers, the hearers, knew what shepherd means. Everybody knew that a shepherd lives with the flock. It's, it's everything to the flock. It's its guide. It's the physician. And it's the protector. You see, a king is enthroned. A deliverer can move a mighty right arm and make way and deliver you. But a shepherd, a shepherd is with us. It's guiding, it's caring, and it's protecting. The Lord is my shepherd this statement is huge, and it's a huge game changer in this songbook of ancient Israel. Because the Lord is my shepherd, it allows me to be able to say, I shall not want. Now, the Hebrew for this, it says, I lack not, which I just like that phrase. How you doing? I lack not. I lack not. I lack not. Because the Lord is my shepherd, because of this intimate relationship because Yahweh is my shepherd, I lack not. Like, Yahweh is my shepherd, so I lack not. David is making this bold, clear opening line of this song. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack not. Listen up. Anytime, anytime you decide to put something different as your shepherd than Yahweh then you have totally just changed the second half of that front line and you're going to find yourselves as a citizen in the land of want. And you're going to spend your days wanting. Wanting, 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 wanting. If Yahweh's not your shepherd, then you're not going to be able to say, I lack not. You're going to say, I want. I want, 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 want. The moment you decide for your kids to be your shepherd, you're going to live in want. The moment you decide that job title, 
is your shepherd, you're, you're basking in the land of want. David says, Yahweh is my shepherd. Listen, there are people in this room right now, good, good people. Some of us, though, are struggling. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we're suffocating because we're living in a land of want. We're spinning our wheels so fast, trying to find traction, but it's just in the land of want. It's not going to happen. And you start to not enjoy life because you're in a land of want, want, want. And again, listen, we've got the whole message to get around today. But just a bottom line right here real quick is if your shepherd is not Yahweh, or if you find yourself in the land of want too bad this morning, it's going to make the connection of Yahweh isn't as much of your shepherd as you think he is. Now, as, as we find out the whole want, David says, somebody could say, really? I mean, you lack nothing? Really? David's like, well, yeah. The song's just getting started. That's just an opening line to get your attention. Hey, Yahweh's my shepherd. I lack not. Really? I want to hear more. Okay. Now, finally, the drum does a fill in. Drum beat comes in. Bass line rips it. And now we're getting into the song. And he says, oh, Oh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my, my soul and he, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, 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 stop the song. <laughs> stop the song. Okay. What just happened? You just rattled off four things. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He, he restores my soul and he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Wait. He, he makes me, he leads me, he guides me, he restores me. What, man, who wouldn't want that? Every morning when you wake up, hey, here's what I'm going to make you do. I'm going to lead you, I'm going to restore you, and I'm going to guide you. I mean, who wouldn't want that? So let's just stop and try to break that down a little bit. It says, I'm going to make you. Well, right there, some of you are already kind of bristling up, right? Uh-uh, homeboy, you ain't going to tell me to do nothing, right? It's like, you ain't going to make me do anything. Homie, don't play that game, right? Like, no, that's not the way we're supposed to talk in church. That's called the M word. You can't make me do anything, right? Friends, listen up. Some of us feel that way. Some of us bristle up against that. But listen, who is this coming from? This idea is coming from a guy, Yahweh, a Lord, our God, who's got holes in his hands from being pierced when he hung on a cross. He got jabbed right in the side when he was hanging on the cross. For the forgiveness of what? His sin? No. For the forgiveness of our sin. Your sin and my sin. It's this guy who's got a plan of how this world should be spinning in perfect love, harmony, light, freedom, peaceful. It's his way. And he's got a plan that far exceeds anything you or I could imagine or think of, any blueprint we could come up with. Because I would just ask, how is your blueprint working out so far? He loves his flock, and he wants to guide it, and he wants to make you do things. And so the way he wants to accomplish this is there are things that you're going to have to do. He makes his people do some things. And by the way, what does he make you do? 
He makes you rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. Rest is what the Lord wants you to do. Now hang on. Apparently, God really wants you to rest. Because if we look back at creation, if we look back at creation, a very perplexing thing happens. God makes the creation. On the sixth day, he makes man and woman and then gives them their mission. Here's what you're to do. You're to work and keep what I've created for you. That's your mission. That's your job. You know, just, just be. But on day number seven, which is the first day of the human life, he just says, oh, stop. I know I gave you a mission, but you're not going to do it right now. You're just going to stop. This is Sabbath. This is the day of rest. This is the day for you to just focus on me. So get nestled back into those leaves and make yourselves comfy and just kind of focus on me. This is a day to rest. I want you to take me in. This is the most important thing you can do. I want to dwell among you. Wait, wait, wait. So now David is writing this song and everybody in the room hears up. Whoa, 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 wait. Yahweh is your shepherd and you lack not? Well, tell me more. Tell me how. What does he do? What does this Yahweh do for you? First thing I'm going to tell you, he makes me rest. Wait a second. Isn't that Genesis 1? He makes people rest? Genesis 1, 2, that whole story? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, Yahweh really wants his people to understand this concept of rest. It's the first thing he had them do, creation. David, given the open mic night at the cafe, I'm going to sing a song. Lord, Yahweh is my shepherd, I lack not. Oh, you wanted me to give the list? He makes me rest. Wow, apparently this is a big deal. And I can't say the word apparently without this kid coming to my mind. So we're going to take a minute and watch this kid with this word apparently. What did you think about the ride? It was great. And apparently, I've never been on live television before, but apparently sometimes I don't watch the, sh I don't watch the news because I'm a kid and apparently every time, apparently Grandpa just gives me a remote after we watch the Powerball. Powerball. <laughs> Tell me about the ride. What did you think about the ride? Well, it was great. Why? Because apparently you're spinning around and apparently every time you get dizzy, that's all you do is get dizzy. Is it fun? Yeah. And I've never, ever been on live television. I never, ever be on live television. Are you excited? Yeah, and apparently I only went down the super slide. When I went down the wall, I was scared half to death. <laughs> apparently. Apparently. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, yes. Apparently, God really wants us to know what it means to rest. Now, when David says, Yahweh is my shepherd, I lack not, he makes me lie down, he makes me rest. If you're not resting, you're going to be living in the land of want. He, 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 here's what happens. And I know for us Americans, we, we usually just kind of start to sweep this whole idea under the rug because we just say, well, that just doesn't work today or that just doesn't work anymore and we start to just kind of sweep it under the rug and we think yeah that, that that's that's such a church thing to to say and I've used this quote before but it it, it bears to to say again J. Vernon McGee says this is God's universe and he ha he does things his way 
Now, you may have a better way of doing things, but you don't have a universe. <laughs> Here's the deal, guys. Yahweh is serious about this. And how bad do, does our lives get screwed up when we get this backwards? Well, you just work backwards the psalm. You just say, man, I'm not getting rest. Well, I guarantee then you're not in a lacking nothing. You're in a land of want. And if you're in a land of want, guess what? Yahweh's not your shepherd. See, you just work the song backwards, and it, and it all connects just as well going backwards that it doesn't work at all. And so what happens? Well, this is what happens. 70 million Americans tonight are going to take a little pill to help themselves sleep or to stay asleep. The average American is going to spend $3,000 this year on, on, on sodas, coffee, and caffeinated products to try to stay awake to get more done. Business Week did a research on the top responses to the question, hey, how are you doing? Two, of course, top answers. You probably could guess them. The number one answer on how are you doing? Tired. Second top answer, busy. Tired and busy. If you're not resting, you're just completely going to be tired. And why are you tired? Because you're chasing things you want or think you want. And Yahweh just doesn't really get to be the shepherd he wants to be in your life. Now, he goes on. The next thing he says is, he restores my soul. I mean, what a beautiful thing. There are so many of us in this room this morning. I understand it. I understand it. The weight and the struggles that you're in right now has got your soul feeling like it's just tied up in this big knot. And, and let's just be real honest. You get home at the end of the day, and it's all you can do to just kind of get through whatever duties you've got that evening. And then you're thinking maybe popping a little Xanax or a little, you know, pour myself a couple glasses of red wine and try to drink it down and just kind of calm myself down so maybe I can get to bed. But then once the morning alarm goes off, man, that circus fires up again. And it's not too long before about lunch, man, I'm already in a twisted not my soul is weary that is how many of us live day to day if we're honest many of us live in that he restores my soul one of the things david couldn't wait to get out in this song he restores my soul he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake those two can't be separated he restores my soul how well, he guides me in paths of righteousness. Now listen, if you're new to church, if, you're, if you don't quite believe in Jesus yet and you just come along for the day, I would just, you know, say welcome to you. And I'd just say time out for a moment. I'm not going to talk to you these next few moments, okay? You can listen to what I am saying, but I'm just talking to Christian folk here. People who confess or, uh, or profess that they follow Jesus Christ. I got to... I, I have to do this. Paths of righteousness. If you are not living in paths of righteousness, you need to get off those paths and into the paths of righteousness. If you are not living in a way that you would say is righteous, you need to get off that path. If, if you are being disloyal in work, you, you, need, you need to quit. You need to repent. If, if you are being harsh with your wife or your children, that is not a righteous path. 
you need to get off of it. If, if, if you're being unfaithful in your marriage, that is not righteous at all. And you need to get off that path. The righteous paths is what Yahweh wants you to be on. And when you're not, it's destroying you. It's destroying your soul. You're getting your soul tied up in a knot. And you find yourself having to look around and be guilty and, and just be withering away because you're not living in a righteous way. Now, as, as, as I'm calling you out to repent that you are not being righteous, as, as sure as I'm calling you out, I'm calling you into the love and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ who wants to restore you. That's the heart of Yahweh. He, he wants to restore you and lead you in paths of righteousness. So when you're not in a path of righteousness, we just got to be honest and say, you need to repent. You need to come off of that because it's not, it's not good. And David says, I lack not, man. Well, tell me why. Why do you lack not? Well, one of the things is he guides me in paths of righteousness. So he makes it clear what, what you're to do, and, and I just do it. I'm, I'm just walking down the path of righteousness, so I've got nothing to worry about. I, the, the secure man walks full of integrity, walks securely. I, it's paths of righteousness. That's what we're going for. That's not a problem-free life. Don't confuse those. That's another lesson. Jesus said you're going to have trouble. You can get the phone call about cancer, tragic car accidents. That's trouble. But living righteously in the paths of righteousness, that, that's what Yahweh wants to do. Here's how to do it. Just walk down the path. That's what David says. I lack nothing. I'm following the paths of righteousness. Jesus, when we talk about Jesus hanging on the cross, we did a few weeks ago, uh, Brett led us in that sermon series, the last sayings of Jesus on the cross. He says, he, Jesus quotes Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? We don't think that Jesus didn't know Psalm 23. It's the next song, right? So in John 10, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, well, of course, talking about Psalm 23, making the connection, this, this is me, I am the great shepherd. So when he says in verse, or in, in chapter 10, he says, he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he has brought them out on, on his own, he goes on ahead of them because he leads them. And his sheep do what? They follow him because they know his voice. I'm just going to say again, see the problem is this. If you're not listening to the voice of Yahweh, you're going to be living in ways that aren't righteous. And that's just not what Yahweh desires for you at all. And again, I say the word repent. You, you, you're destroying your soul. It, it does not have to be this way. There's grace and truth waiting for you. And here's the real kicker of it all. The four words that are most important in this psalm get overlooked a lot of times because we're saying all the other lines. But those four words are, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is massive. Why is Yahweh doing all this stuff? For his name's sake. You get to benefit from it. You get to walk around and say, I lack not. Yahweh's my shepherd, I lack not. But it's for his name's sake. In Ezekiel, listen to what Yahweh said according to this. Listen to the heart of Yahweh. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm doing these things, 
but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. He says, then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord. Listen to this. When I am proved holy through you before their eyes, for his name's sake, he is guiding you in paths of righteousness. Why? Because he doesn't want your soul to be in a knot. He wants your soul to be restored. But why truly is he leading you in paths of righteousness? For his name's sake. Why? It's clear right there in Ezekiel. I will be proved holy through what? Through you. Through us. God will be proved holy through us before the eyes of the world. The eyes of the world watching the people of God, is God holy or not? I don't know. Let's just tune in and watch these Christians. How are they living? Paths of righteousness or paths of selfishness? Paths of greed? Paths of just, just surface spirituality? What, 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 is, what is the world seeing? It's for the Lord's sake that he wants this done. It's for his glory. And that's massive. So thank you, God. Thank you, Yahweh, that we get to benefit from it. Man, I lack not. But don't be fooled. This is for God's glory. For his namesake, he is counting. He wants his people to prove that he's holy to the eyes of the world. Now, you don't need me to say how bad does our world need to see that God is holy. They need to see it incredibly bad. How are we doing with that? Through us, God will be proved to be holy before the eyes of the world. Huge, huge thing. This is why I'm just going to honk this horn a little harder for a little one more time. That's why... You need to not pet your sin. That's why you don't need to call it a struggle. Well, hey, me and the Lord, we're just working on this one. We've been working on this one for a while. It's going to take us a little bit longer, but we're, we're working. For the sake of God's name, no. Get off this path and get onto paths of righteousness. It's for the glory of Yahweh, and it's for your soul to not be tied up in a knot. Don't coddle sin. Repent and be done with it. Get it out. Psalm 23, 4 and 5, what David does is pretty cool in the literary world. Um, he plays on some things, and we don't have time to get into all this. I just want to show you a picture of how we would sketch this out and talk about it, maybe a different time in a class of Psalms or something, but basically Psalm 23 starts out with Yahweh. He's talking about God, Yahweh, but then in verse 4, we see a movement. See, in verse 2 and 3, he starts referring to Yahweh as he, 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 like I know him. He does this. He makes me. He leads me. He guides me, but, but then by verse 4, we're going to get real intimate, and now it's like I'm just talking to Yahweh at the table. You, 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 and it's pretty cool, and then the Yahweh at the end is the Lord forever, and, and he concludes it with that. Anyhow, he goes on, and these verses of verses 4 and 5 say this, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for your rod and staff, they comfort me. Now, for you people who know some Bible stories, you know that when Moses raised the, you know, the staff, the Red Sea parted. You know when he struck the rock, water came forward. There's some cool things that happened with the staff and rod, and they comfort me. 
they comfort me. The staff and rod of God, they comfort me because he can do amazing things. But also, the staff and rod of a shepherd would also, you know, pull the sheep close, protect them, defend and protect the sheep. And this is terminology that the people would, would understand. And then he goes on and says, you know, in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table for me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And I just love the stories of God in the Bible that show this. Daniel 3, King Nebuchadnezzar told uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bow down and worship me. And they said, sorry about you, dude. We're not going to do that. King Nebuchadnezzar says, fine, I'm going to toss you three into the furnace. He said, crank up the furnace about seven times hotter. These three yahoos are getting toast. We're going to watch them burn because they will not worship me. And what happens? All of a sudden, they're looking into the furnace, and there's four people walking around. They only put three people in. But now there's four people walking around, and they're not burning up. Why? Because in the presence of the enemies, God comes and just says, let's just have a little meal together right now, you and me. Just in the presence of the enemies. You see, we would think of the story needs to be, you know, it's grilling season now. So, you know, God would go down to Lowe's and buy the big gloves to grill with, you know, and come down to the furnace and pull the three guys out and set them out here and then backhand King Nebuchadnezzar and write the story off. And man, what a miraculous delivery. But you know what? God didn't even get them out of the furnace. Who got them out of the furnace in that story? King Nebuchadnezzar, the one who put them in, said, hey, open that door. Get them out of here. It's just cool. Why? Our God just wants to come in the presence of the enemies and dine with you. He just wants to be present with you as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He just wants to have a meal. King Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20, if you want to write that down and read it later tonight, it's a great story. Jehoshaphat, they're surrounded by enemies. And he says, we don't know what to do, God. Our eyes are on you. And he says, yeah, just send out Show be on the worship band. Let them play in front of us. Let them take the front lines of the armies attacking. And they sing worship songs. And there's this just, hey, let's just have a presence of you in worship. And what happens? All the enemies turn on each other, take each other out. God didn't even do that. I mean, he, he turned them on each other. And they, they killed each other. And what does it say in that story? The nations surrounding them feared the God of Israel. God just wants to be in the presence of your enemies. He's just going to come sit and wine and dine with you. It's amazing. Now, after that, King David, he's writing this song, and then he says, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. And when he says, my cup overflows, that's just a simple sentence restating, I lack not. He's saying, I lack not. Now, here we go. I'm going to give you, he, he, he makes me, he leads me. He restores me. He guides me. He provides for me. He's with me. He comforts me. He protects me. He anoints me. Here's a grand sentence. My cup overflows. I lack not, and my cup overflows. It's just kind of like a restatement of that. He gives you all the reasons of why. And then he just says, hey, here's just kind of an outro to the song, as if that's not good enough. Here's the deal. God's been faithful in my life. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now, what's goodness and mercy? It's not like that's just two characters back there, like just dancing around behind him. That's God. That's the covenant of love, truth, and grace and mercy. Steadfast covenant. God is forever following them. Wait, I thought God was leading me. He is. 
Wait, I thought God was with me. He is. Wait, but God is following me too. He is. Yahweh is. Is. He's in front. So wherever you're headed tomorrow morning, just know that Yahweh is going before you. He's going with you. And he's going after you. And then, not only that, then David says, well, hey, and by the way, when my life does end, hello, then I get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Now, what an amazing song that is. Max Lucado, a few years ago, wrote a psalm. I even would even use the word hate. I hate to read this because I know it is so true of so many of us. But he wrote a modern-day psalm to, for people who usually, who, who would not have Yahweh being their shepherd. And here's how this psalm now reads. Here's how the song goes. I am my own shepherd. I stumble and wander from mall to mall, from psychiatrist to psychiatrist, from party to party, from investment to investment, looking for it, but never finding it. I lie down next to strangers in search of intimacy, only to find heartache. I tiptoe through the valley of the shadow of death, hoping to avoid death, but knowing I can't. I fear everything, from terrorism to recessions, from cancer to not fitting in, from being overweight to being overlooked. Enemies and imposters and emotional thieves prepare a table before me. I anoint my headache with extra strength Advil, and my cup runneth over with Jack Daniels. Surely, misery and misfortune will follow me, and I will live in doubt for the rest of my lonely life. What a killer to know that people of God, when not fully recognizing the heart and the compassion and the steadfast love of Yahweh, when they don't recognize that and claim that to be their shepherd, and follow and do what he says, how we wind up in this song. I've been in this song. Some of you are in this song right now that I just, just read for us. Man, but listen to these psalms again. Listen to these action words that this song is cranked full of. The Lord makes me. He leads me. He restores me. He guides me. He comforts me. He guides me. He provides me for me. He protects me. He anoints me. He follows me. He's present. He's present. I was trying to think of how could this look? How could a, a video capture this? And, and sure enough, my wife actually caught this video about a year ago of two of my boys. Now, this video is of a, my third, uh, Malik. Uh, he's the shepherd in the video, if you will. And he is uh, leading our fourth, Matthias. Now, again, this is, this is just kind of like... What I'm saying, like what it looks like for to just being led by a shepherd and, and what does it look like to be, you know, the one leading and the one following. Let's just check this out for a moment and we'll talk. First of all, kudos for the cool contraption of how to pull your brother. Like, that's, that's just pretty cool, buddy. But now, did, did you notice the eyebrows going up and down? That's right. That's right. And then the sheep behind, right? Hey, dude, it's all good. I've got my cup of milk, and I'm in for the ride. Now, here's the deal. If you think about it, in all seriousness, this is kind of fun to think about, but there's a lot of truth to this. Man, our shepherd is just, dude, 
I got you. Dude, I'm just strolling, raising my eyebrows, pointing out everything. Dude, got you. And what do we do? We just get, we can be so comfortable following the shepherd that we don't even have to look where we're going, man. I just trust him. I know his voice. Zeke knows Malik's voice. He knows his brother's got him, right? We know the shepherd's got us. We're content. Man, our cup overflows. I'm kicked back, sipping my milk, right? But it's seriously, think about this again. He makes me do these things. He leads me. He restores me. He guides me. He comforts me. He provides for me. He protects me. He anoints me. Man, I can't say enough in this song. My cup overflows. I lack not. Why would you not want Yahweh to be your shepherd? It just doesn't make sense. Why? Man, the Lord is. The Lord is wanting to be your shepherd. The Lord is here. The Lord is going to be with you tonight. The Lord is present with you now. Let's pray. God, you are good and you are faithful. Your love, it seriously has no bounds. There is nothing that can stop it. But Lord, all too often our choices just provide blocks. God, I just pray that all of us could rethink, rehear this song and be moved by, by how good you are, how you provide everything, and how we can actually walk in a way that says, man, we, we lack not. Our cup overflows. Surely, surely you will be with us all the days of our lives. And then we just get to dwell with you. God, it is now that you want to be good to us. Let us allow you to do that. In Jesus' name, Father, amen.